Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, my name is Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we head south to Savannah, Georgia. Thanks to its historic, worn-torn, and deadly past, Savannah has so many incredible haunted places to check out on your Dark Travels. It seems like there's a good ghost story on every block in this old historic city. Now, to give a little history, Georgia was one of the original 13 states that was created when the colonists revolted against the British King George III. Prior to that, Georgia was actually a penal colony for Great Britain. Now, as a state, it did side with those who succeeded when Lincoln became president. As such, when the South started to lose the Civil War and to Conum Sherman, yes, the very same man the tank is named after, decided he was going to burn it all to the ground (laughs) on his march to the sea. Savannah, as a city, saw the burning of Atlanta, Georgia, the capital, and decided to surrender to Sherman, hoping that Sherman would spare the city. Their gamble paid off as Sherman took control of the city, but he left it almost unharmed. Now, this is why Savannah has so many beautiful estates and homes predating the Civil War. But between the wars, the yellow fever epidemics, and other diseases that plagued the South, Savannah has a history, a long-standing history, with death. To give you perspective on how bad the yellow fever was in Savannah, they actually ended up having three major outbreaks in the 1800s alone. They had one in 1820, 1854, and 1876. Needless to say, because there was no preventative measures like the vaccine, or more importantly, they had no cure, this basically went rampant. Although it was the 1876 that the most deadliest, if you will, of the yellow fever's epidemic. And since we're already speaking of death, we'll start with our first stop, Bonaventure Cemetery. Originally called Evergreen Cemetery, it was established in 1864. It was originally privately owned by John Mulrin. Then, in 1907, the city of Savannah purchased the cemetery and changed its name to Bonaventure Cemetery. Located about five miles from downtown Savannah, Bonaventure Cemetery is a bit out of the way, but considering the elaborate Gothic mausoleums and tombstones, this place undoubtedly is well worth the trip. Added to this already eerie place is the Spanish moss that hangs from the trees and the unearthly silence that surrounds this place. 
considered as one of the most beautiful cemeteries in the world. But one of the most famous tombstones here is that of little Gracie Watson. In 1869, little Gracie died from pneumonia, just shy of her sixth birthday. In honor of their beloved daughter, Gracie's parents had a beautiful stone carving done of her likeness. After she was buried, her parents moved to Boston, perhaps driven away by the pain of their broken hearts, though eventually they do get interred here. However, in the in-between time, this left Gracie alone. This, of course, caused people to bring her gifts and toys in hopes of bringing her a little bit of comfort. And it is said that if any visitor removes any gifts or toys or flowers, her statue will cry tears of blood. Aside from this, there are also reports of her crying in the middle of the night and that her statue also cries. In addition to this, she's also been seen running around Johnson Square where she used to play in life. But Gracie is not the only restless soul roaming the cemetery. Apparently, there's a pack of ghost dogs roaming around and their barks and growls are reportedly not very friendly. In addition to the dogs, people have reported some of the elaborate statues seem to be either grimacing or smiling at them when they're walking around admiring them. Guests have also reported spooky or inexplicable noises. They've also heard a baby crying near a certain infant's grave and, most disturbing, the sounds of children giggling. Now, this cemetery is just one of the many, 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 many Savannah has. Moving on to our next dark place, but sticking with the cemeteries, is the Colonial Park Cemetery. Open for business in 1750. You heard correctly. 1750, before we were even a nation. But again, as a colony, you have to remember, it was established long before we were a nation. This cemetery is the oldest remaining burial grounds of Savannah. Reportedly, there are over 100,000 buried people here. However, less than 1,000 grave markers remain. Not only are there mass graves here, but apparently, over the centuries, this place has been heavily vandalized, which is why some people believe the vandalization contributes to the restless spirits that are seen here. In fact, it is believed that part of the vandals were the Union soldiers. As I mentioned before, Savannah surrendered to Sherman, and hence Sherman spared Savannah. But during their occupation of Savannah, Union soldiers actually set up camp in this particular cemetery. While they were there in the cemetery, they made some very indecent choices, such as camping inside the cemetery burial vaults. They changed the dates on some of the headstones, like the death dates, the birth dates, or they just outright smashed headstones and if that weren't enough supposedly or as panda would say allegedly some of the soldiers also removed some of the bodies now i get the concept of conquered people but disrespecting graves mm, that is going too far so shame on those union soldiers for desecrating sacred ground however probably in part of this and other mysterious happenings Nowadays, it is not uncommon for people to see shadowy figures moving throughout the area and hiding behind tombstones. 
There's even a green mist that will float through the air that will appear randomly and disappear randomly. There are mysterious noises that have been heard coming from inside empty vaults. There's even one ghost that seems to be more visible than the others, a man who was a convicted murderer, and the story goes that he was hung inside the cemetery from a tree. There's also this spectacular but very untrue story uh, about this uh, specter of Rene Rondolier from the late 1800s. So it's a totally fictional story, but they, I'm not even sure why they do this, but in the locals will tell the story of Rene, of how Rene was a serial killer. He buried children, the bodies of the his victims, down in these tunnels underground, under the, the cemetery or his house, and he was killed and He's buried here, and now his ghost lingers there. I don't know why they do this, but <laughs> he's not in real. It's not real, but either way, there is one person who was not fictional and was once buried there, and I am, of course, referring to General Nathaniel Green. And if the name General Nathaniel Green sounds familiar, it should. He served with great distinction with George Washington, General George Washington in the American Revolution. Now, after serving his country with great distinction, he came to Savannah and owned and operated a farm. And when he died, he was actually buried at this particular cemetery. His son would eventually be buried with him as well. Since then, he has been re relocated. However, you can still go and see the crypt where he was once buried. Now, Again, because Savannah is just has this long, lengthy history and has so many cemeteries. <laughs> uh, I have one more haunted cemetery that I did want to discuss. I'm, of course, referring to the Laurel Grove Cemetery. This cemetery is an actual reflection of segregation that was once practiced in Georgia. And by a reflection of segregation, this particular cemetery has two separate entrances. And going through both, you will notice the stark difference between the graves of the different races. But moving past this unfortunate and unsavory history, visitors have reported hearing heavy footsteps in an otherwise empty cemetery. They have reported seeing a woman in a bridal gown walking among the headstones. And then there was this curious situation where years ago, trolley riders on the trolley number 28 would report hearing a child crying from inside the cemetery as they rode past the grounds. No other trolley had this strange occurrence uh, happen while they were rolling by. Just number 28. Even the CEO of a ghost hunting company had his own personal experience here. Apparently, as he was walking around, there was this image of a ghostly hand sneaking out from behind a tomb, and it was reaching out for him. And needless to say, he was pretty, pretty startled. And there were even rumors of voodoo rituals being conducted here at the Laurel Grove Cemetery. So it's got a mixture of everything. It's got a reflection of the past, 
It's got ghostly hands reaching out for ghost hunters. It's got babies crying. It's got a you know the bride. There's always a bride somewhere. So you'll never know what you might come across just visiting here. However, I did want to point out that if you are a Girl Scout or a former Girl Scout or still a Girl Scout at heart, you'll be fascinated to know that Juliet Gordon Lowe, the founder of the Girl Scouts, is buried here. So when you go to Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, and you would like to pay your respects, you can find her here. Now, moving on to a haunted place from where people actually died a lot, a lot, we are going to head towards a place called Old Candler Hospital. Built in 1808 as a poorhouse and a seaman's hospital, this is actually the oldest hospital in Georgia. During the course of its history, it was also an insane asylum and a union hospital. During the 1876 yellow fever, over 700 people would die here while two doctors are running around trying to treat the victims. Needless to say, the hospital and the two doctors were very ill-prepared for such an epidemic. Now, if you're not familiar with yellow fever, first and foremost, if you contracted yellow fever, the likelihood of your survival back in 1876 was very, very low. But they knew very, very little about this virus. In fact, they didn't know that this virus was A, a virus, And more importantly, they didn't know that it was spread through infected mosquitoes. So being bit by a mosquito, basically uh, an infected mosquito, basically condemned you to this virus. As a virus, it targeted your liver, which caused fevers, chills, loss of appetite, nausea, muscle pain, and particularly in the back, and headaches. It would also cause you to become jaundice and eventually... It would progress and shut down your organs and make you bleed from your nose and your mouth and your eyes. And like 1876, today there is still no actual cure. I mean, thankfully now we do have a preventative vaccine, but this preventative vaccine, of course, was not around in 1876. In fact, the medical profession knew so little on how to treat the disease or the patient that they would actually chain patients to their bed to help ease the convulsions that the patients would have during the course of this of the of the virus ravaging their body. So, you know, when they came to Candler Hospital, they basically came to die. Now, during the last outbreak, the 1876 outbreak, in response to the amount of deaths that they knew were going to happen, people began to dig tunnels. The tunnels were dug to bury the dead because, again, when you came to Candler Hospital, you came to die, and they just had to put the bodies somewhere. One of the most commonly known tunnel is the one below Forsyth Park. This was actually just a few steps away from the hospital, but it was basically a one-way tunnel and primarily used to create a mass grave. And from floor to ceiling, it was packed with bodies. Other tunnels were also used to secretly transport bodies from burial sites because, again, it's disheartening to see so many people die. But here's the kicker. This mass grave is still very much 
a masquerade today under the fountain in Forsyth Park. So basically, this one-way tunnel went from the hospital across the street into Forsyth Park, which is a beautiful park, and people get married there and walk their dogs and take pictures by this beautiful fountain. But basically, it's a cemetery. And as I mentioned before, this place also used to be an insane asylum. And going back to the idea that they really did not know how to treat patients, they used a rudimentary form of electric shock therapy for their clients. They also used chemicals to try and treat their mental imbalances. The hospital even performed lobotomies, which, as you know, is basically hammering a spike up through the nose or the eyes into your brain. So we're, we're talking about a place where terrible, terrible deaths happen, terrible, terrible operations and practices occurred. So basically, candor in, in, in its entirety just really is not a good place. <laughs> in fact, there's even a, a large oak tree associated with this place. They actually call it the candor oak tree. This tree has been around for about 300 years, and its nickname is the old hanging tree. And it is said that sometimes you can see apparitions hanging from the tree at night. Now, today there were reports of a woman in white in a white hospital gown pacing back and forth between two windows in the upper upper levels. People who have gone there and taken photos have captured images of ghostly soldiers in and around the hospital. Because, again, we're talking it was a Union hospital during the Civil War, and many, many people have reported seeing many apparitions around the morgue tunnel. So this place, again, built for the poor and as a Siemens hospital, has just this lengthy history of misery and death, and the dead are still there. So if ever there was just this one place that you could probably just feel the sadness, it would be Candor Hospital. Located at 5353 Reynolds Street, you actually can go and see some of the tunnels, but you're actually going to need to take a tour. Now, as I've mentioned before, I've not been to Savannah, so I cannot recommend any tour companies. So do your research and go with a company that you feel comfortable with. Now, as my listeners know, as much as I love, love, love cemeteries, I also love recommending some seriously awesome local museums. We will start with the Greyface Museum, calling all serial killers and true crime fans. Located in downtown Savannah, this museum opened almost a year ago in February 2020. And it focuses on everything bizarre or odd, just plain weird, and as I said before, true crime. In fact, there is even an entire room dedicated to true crime. We are talking multiple paintings of the serial killer John Wayne Gacy. There are a few um, items from Charlie Manson's. We're talking some of his letters. We're talking Heaven's Gate. We're talking just a variety of different things. And it sounds like these are some of the pretty heavy hitters in the serial killer world. And as for the strange and curious aspect of this museum, you can view two-headed creatures, actual human remains in some of the rooms, along with the circus-themed oddities all over the place. 
And if these things don't tickle your fancy, in the middle of the museum, there is a room full of pinball machines, all horror and science themed. But the best part, you get to play these pinball machines for free. But it all comes with the price of admission. So, I mean, this sounds like an awesome time to spend either a good solid morning or a good solid afternoon. Admission is $15, and you can visit this place from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day. And should you go to this museum, it is also attached to a record store that shares the same name. You guys remember good old vinyl, right? Well, the record store is free to check out because it's a store, but if you're curious and interested, you can find it at 410 E Factors Walk. Now, at this time, they are only doing appointments only because of COVID, so you have to send them an email to set up an appointment at greatface at gmail.com. And they recommend giving yourself at least one and a half to three hours to walk through this entire museum. Another awesome museum I'm recommending during your dark travels in Savannah is the American Prohibition Museum. Yes, please put your bootlegging moonshine down because you heard correctly. The American Prohibition Museum. Now, I had the awesome opportunity to speak with Travis, the creative and production manager of this museum, and boy, does he know his onions. That's all right. I'm talking booze code here, folks. You need to know your onions, which basically means you need to know your stuff. And wow, does Travis know the history of Prohibition and the museum he works at. For Travis, this museum tells the story of Prohibition from start to finish, starting as far back as 1733 to when the King of England began Prohibition against hardcore spirits to the 1784 Dr. Rush published pamphlet entitled An Inquiry into the Effects of Ardent Spirits on the Human Mind and Body through the 1830s when people were boozing too much and were dying too fast. Through the Civil War into the 1900s with Carrie Nation, a hatchet-swinging prohibitionist through the flappers and the gangster roaring 20s, this museum walks you through it all. In addition to the history, this museum has vintage cars like the 1918 T-Bear, the 1926 T-Ford. They even have a rum running boat because the South is known for liking the rum. They even have a stovetop steel distillery, the kind people would, would use to privately make their own uh, booze in, their, in the privacy of their own homes. Plus, they have wax characters of the people who took part of the history of Prohibition, as well as active costume characters that you can actually engage with in a saloon-looking gallery. And if you're interested, when you purchase your museum ticket, they give you the option of adding a glass of whiskey at their bar, the Congress Street up at the end of your visit, you know, to quench your booze and thirst. But that's not even the best part. Well, I mean, it's one of the best parts of the museum, obviously. But if and when you are in Savannah for a few days, because you're obviously going to need a few days to check out all these wonderful places, I truly, truly hope you take the opportunity to attend one of their mixology classes. That's right. The Congress Street Up Bar offers a class that will teach you step-by-step recipes for two cocktails. One cocktail will be shaken and the other stirred. So, obviously, 
a bond and a non-bond drink, <laughs> shaken but not stirred. Either way, point is, the class is offered by professional bartenders, and you get to utilize professional bartender tools, and you get to learn the history of Prohibition-era cocktails. And I, I've actually taken a look at some of the pictures on TripAdvisor and the website's pictures, and I got to say, this place looks pretty, pretty awesome. And they look like they actually know their onions. So <laughs> if you get a chance and you're interested, you can register online. It is $62.60. And the class is about two hours and a half long. But again, you get the opportunity to learn a few things about cocktails and how to make a shaken and a stirred cocktail. The other thing that this place also offers and I think is wonderful, if you are a whiskey fan or have always wanted to try whiskey, on Tuesday nights they offer a whiskey tasting class. The class gets you the opportunity to learn and taste the difference between six different whiskey varieties. You get to learn how whiskey is made and how the process affects the flavors and the aroma and basically, you get to learn techniques to properly taste and enjoy your whiskey. And you just thought it was just a drink, right? Like I did. But this is why you go to wonderful museums. Now, just like the cocktail classes, you do have to register online. It is $48.15. I have to tell you, I, I'm enthused for anyone who goes there and does these classes. It just sounds like a tremendous amount of fun. Now, when I asked Travis about their best drink, he said to try the Chatham Artillery Punch. This cocktail apparently has been around since the 1700s. Now, he did advise me that should you try it here at the Congress Street uh, bar and then you go down the street to another bar and request it because you super liked it, there is a good possibility that it will taste different because people have altered the recipe to their own likings. However, the Congress Street bar uses the oldest recipe they've found for this particular punch. So there's a lot of varieties out there. Now, the museum itself, the American Prohibition Museum, is currently receiving 4.5 stars on my bestie trip advisor. And again, this place absolutely sounds absolutely amazing. And if all of the staff members are just as enthusiastic about this museum as Travis is, then you certainly cannot go wrong visiting this place. The museum itself is located at 209 West or W. St. Julian Street, and they do a bundle with their admission ticket with an all-day trolley pass. As for the Congress Street Bar, it is currently receiving five stars on my bestie TripAdvisor. Located at 220 Congress Street, who knew that, <laughs> in downtown Savannah. And like I said, the pictures look like this would be an awesome place to not only have a drink, learned, learn a few more onions, <laughs> learn some new stuff, take some classes, and learn about whiskey. Okay, now, after seeing all these cemeteries and checking out all these museums, if you haven't already quenched your thirst, chances are you're going to be hungry. Let's talk about eating with some of the ghosts of Savannah. Okay, I don't know if you can hear the excitement in my voice, but guys and dolls, paranormal hunters, one of my longest memories regarding haunted places was watching this cheesy 
show about haunted haunted places. And this is probably where my interest in the paranormal and ghost hunting began. The, but either way, in this show, they featured the Pirate House. That's right. The Pirate House in Savannah, Georgia. Built in 1753, this tavern building was originally a sailor's pub and inn. Being as such, the sailors were promised a hot meal, a warm bed, and plenty of alcohol. And being such a place for sailors meant that many men, when they got too boozy, they were ripe pickings to be brutally shanghaied. That's right, once completely liquored, the hapless sailor would be dragged down to the cellar, carried through the tunnel leading out to the river, and then they would be sold into piracy. This place was also famously known as a smuggler's den. Using the same tunnels, they would actually smuggle gold and rum. Now, obviously, this rough and ready crowd was not your most upstanding. So we are talking, this was a place of bloody brawls and murders. Apparently both were very commonplace. So, of course, all of this sets the tone for the hauntings that occur today. We're talking sightings of long-dead seamen. We're talking disembodied voices, moans, sounds of footsteps, doors opening and closing. And it, it is so unnerving that the staff will sometimes refuse to work alone, especially after closing, because many report having the sensation of somebody watching them. There are also actual shadow people. There are ghostly apparitions seen walking to the dining room. And apparently, there is something very paranormal, very active, on the second floor. And of course, there are rumors that Captain Flint of the famed Treasure Island died in this building. Of course, the problem is, is that Captain Flint was a fictional character. But there are some people that swear they see something that strongly resembles him. So maybe that's just... Why they call him Captain Flint. He looks like him. In fact, whatever is going on here is so active that it even caused a ghost hunting team to abandon ship in the middle of the night during the course of one of their ghost hunting sessions. Currently receiving four out of five stars on my bestie. The food, it looks delicious. The building looks historic. And to top it off, it is haunted. For me... For you, for everybody involved, this is an absolute win-win. And when I get to Savannah, this will be my first place of choice for a hearty meal. Now, also cool side note, the smaller structure next to the building is called the Herb House. And apparently, this is the oldest standing building in Georgia, dating as far back as 1734. Now, if you do the math... The Pirate House is actually over 250 years old. Located at 20E Broad Street, I highly recommend making reservations. Another haunted place to dine is the 1790 Inn and Restaurant. It is said that the ghost of a scorned woman, a slave cook, likes to linger in the kitchen when she's not banging on pots and apparently loud enough for the guests of the restaurant to hear. She is throwing the pans and the jars of spices at the live staff. Perhaps she does not approve of what is being cooked. 
People have also seen the glimpse of this of a little slave boy named Thaddeus. Now he likes to hang about on the ground floor of the restaurant and tavern. He also likes shiny new pennies. So when you go there, be sure to bring a few to leave behind for him. And if you choose to stay here, you might actually get a glimpse of Anna, one of the most famous girl ghosts in Savannah. When Anna was alive, she reportedly jumped from the third floor window when her lover sailed away. However, in the afterlife, she apparently is awaiting his return in room 204. Now in room 204, it is said that personal items tend to be moved, bed covers are tousled, and some people even get nudged. But don't worry, it is said that she is a friendly spirit. Located at 307E President Street, this place not only looks beautiful, but the restaurant looks perfect. Another awesome haunted place, the Hamilton Turner Inn. If this name sounds familiar to you, it was made famous by John Brennan's novel, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Built in 1873, it was nicknamed the Grand Victorian Lady. Located on Lafayette Square in the historic district of downtown Savannah, it was built for Samuel Hamilton, who became the mayor of Savannah. Apparently, he and his wife loved to entertain lavishly and wanted a house to suit their lavish parties and lifestyle. And this house was actually the first house in all of Savannah to have electricity. In fact, electricity was such a curiosity that people at dusk, would gather and stare in awe of the electricity inside the home and wonder if the house would explode. Then, in 1915, Dr. Francis Turner purchased the home and used it to practice medicine there. In addition to seeing his patients, it is also believed that he performed autopsies in the basement. Later, the house would be used as a boarding house for marine hospital nurses. And as for the scandalous parties detailed in the book, as Savannah would would now refer to it as, those parties would come much, much later. Now, if you aren't familiar with the book, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, essentially this book is filled with larger-than-life characters and a murder that may or may not have been in self-defense. And given the time that this book is set in, the fact that Jim, the, the main character who may or may not have murdered in self-defense, killed his lover, a, a gay man, also brought a sense of forbidden mystic and rhythm to the book. So when this book was released, it went right to the New York Times bestseller list, and it actually became a movie. Currently, though, the Hamilton Turner Inn is a haunted place of elegance as it has 17 rooms and suites, each decorated with its own style. Some of the rooms have their own private garden entrances. Some, all of the rooms come with bathrobes, a luxury bed, and wonderful bath amenities. Some of the rooms have fireplaces, balconies, and clawfoot tubs. And each of the rooms are named after prominent figures of Savannah history. In the morning, the inn provides a full southern breakfast every morning. In the afternoon, they do a tea, 
Early evening, they do wine and hors d'oeuvres. And late evening, they do a port. And as for the wonderful paranormal activities, inside the inn, people have heard the sounds of children laughing, billiard balls rolling around on the upper floors, and sightings of a strange cigar-smoking man on the roof. There's even reports of cold spots in certain rooms. And to top it all off, people have also reported the sounds of footsteps of Civil War soldiers walking about. Getting back to the book of the Midnight of Good and Evil, I actually started to read the book. I didn't finish it. I just remember putting it down and just never picking it up back up. And I don't recall exactly what it was, if there was anything in particular that maybe put it down and not pick it back up. But either way, the book is set at this particular beautiful house. And you have the wonderful opportunity of staying at this lovely and fascinating place. Located at 330 Abercorn Street. Come for the hors d'oeuvres, but stay for the ghosts. Now, a very, very haunted hotel. I, in fact, I would argue the most haunted hotel in Savannah is the Marshall House. Built as a hotel in 1851, its owner, Mary Marshall, built the hotel on land that she had inherited from her father, Gabriel Lieber, who was a French cabinet maker. And after reading up on this place, doing my research, I would have to say that the traumatic history of this place definitely left its imprint here. And here's why I say this. Since 1851, and if you're, if you're tracking this and you're a little bit of a, a Civil War buff, this is about 10 years before the Civil War happens. Since 1851, this hotel has been converted into a hospital three separate times. One, you guessed it, for the Union soldiers during the Civil War, and twice, you guessed it, for the yellow fever epidemics. Now, with this history, and over time, obviously, it gets a little worn down. So in the late 1990s, when it gets renovated, workers who were replacing some of the damaged floorboards downstairs actually find human remains and sawed-off bones underneath the floorboards. After this discovery, the hotel, of course, becomes a, a crime scene and research was conducted. And it turns out that the downtown area was the Union Hospital's surgery room. With this in mind, it soon became the belief that these human remains and sawed-off bones were actually the limbs of the Civil War soldiers who had to have limbs amputated. Now, you have to remember, that far south, that far away from home, and losing legs and arms, and maybe not having enough pain medication or any kind of medication at all, would naturally be very traumatic. And in addition to just not only losing your body parts, but, again, going back to the yellow fever, so many people died during all of these epidemics. So what kind of paranormal experiences that are happening here? Well, they say lights will inexplicably flicker on and off. Electronic items will turn themselves on. Toilets like to overflow on their own. There are disembodied voices on the fourth floor in the hallway. There are loud noises like um, a heavy object crashing to the ground. Doorknobs to rooms tend to get jiggled as if someone's going to enter and you know, jerk you wide awake and cause you to panic when nobody is doing it. There's the sound of babies crying. People have heard the distinct sound of an old-fashioned typewriter 
coming from the former room of author Joel Chandler Harris. Uh, Joel Chandler Harris was the was the man who wrote the Uncle Remus stories. Also during the night, guests tend to report the sounds of marbles or rubber balls rolling and bouncing down the halls, basically keeping them up. As for actual apparitions, there is the ghost of a cat who likes to wander about there. There is the incident where a young lady who was staying there saw the portrait of Mary Marshall and realized that she had actually seen Mary Marshall standing in the hallway. Of course, this was after Mary was dead, so she saw her apparition. Some guests have shared the experience of seeing a rather dapper gentleman reading a book by a window. There is a lady in white flowing through the hallways and another ghostly woman who haunts the lady's restroom. And on occasion, she'll lock the stall like, you know, moaning Myrtle, (laughs) the Harry Potter series. There are apparitions of small children. Sometimes the children can be seen skipping, running, playing games in the hall. People say that they've heard the children laughing and talking. There's even a famous story about a mother and son who stayed at the Marshall House. According to the story, while the little boy bathed, the mother heard the little boy chatting, but she assumed he was just chatting to himself. But when he came out of the bathroom crying, she asked him, what's wrong? And her son replied, the boy bit me. This, of course, confused her because her son was alone. And she said, what boy? And he told her, the little boy I was playing with in the bathroom. Then the mother looked into the bathroom. Of course, she didn't see anybody. But then she looked at her son's arm where he said he, the, the boy bit him. And there, in fact, was a bite mark. And apparently, this was not the first time a guest has been bitten by a ghostly child. So the ghosts are biting, basically. People have reported story after story of ghosts of amputeed soldiers walking throughout the hotel. And there is even this curious story of where one of the ghost soldiers was seen in the hotel lobby. He was missing his arm, and he was pleading with the guests to please help him find a surgeon. So lots of ghosts, lots of variety of different ghosts, children ghosts, soldier ghosts, Mary, the cat. In addition to all of this, there is this awful odor that seems to smell like rotting flesh, which would actually make sense given the fact that not only was it a hospital for the Union soldiers, but again, people died there. But as for this stench, it was especially bad in certain rooms but after a blessing, some of the bad vibes and the stench actually get cleared, all except for room 414, 414. Apparently, this room is still plagued with a persistent odor and just has bad juju vibes. So that's your thing. Bad odors and bad juju vibes. Room 414 is your room. And it is said that for the staff to combat the uneasy feeling and the smell of the room, as part of their process of cleaning up the room, they will actually play gospel music to keep the bad odor and the bad juju vibes away. Now, in the old operating room downstairs, people have reported seeing doctors treating soldiers who have recently been brought in from the battlefield. Some people have claimed to have felt this presence of like checking their wrists as a nurse would to feel for your pulse. There was even an incident where a guest who was in her room and while she was there, she saw the shadowy figure of a man dressed in Civil War uh, uniform 
and with him was a small boy who looked at her and shouted, get out of my room, and <laughs> she apparently grabbed her stuff and got, got out of his room, basically. And if that's not enough, okay, other paranormal activity include being touched, hearing marching drums, and strange, unexplicable noises in the hall that when they look into the hall, they see absolutely nothing. So the Marshall House literally has it all. Ghosts, bite marks, children screaming, get out of my room, uh, soldiers asking for help. You know, just, it's all there. The Marshall House has it all. Located at 123 East or E. Burlton Street, if you wanted to stay with ghosts, if you wanted to have the best opportunity to experience paranormal activity, I highly, highly recommend the Marshall House. Okay, so this is all I have for tonight. And like I said before, Savannah is definitely on my place to see one day. And again, the first place I'm going to is the Pirate House. But either way. Now, again, some quick reminders. Facebook is up. If you're interested and you'd like to join, send me a request. And I'm still looking to collect some listener tales to share. If you have a story, a paranormal story of either a place that you've been to or one of the places that we've covered and you want to share your experiences, send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. However, if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are or have a specific tourist attraction in mind, send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. So until next time, please remember. Only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. <laughs> <laughs>